I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fun to see, and... Ooh. Ma- come on now, come on now, and... Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> like, you do this literally every week. And Magical Realism, <laughs> written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, colorful backgrounds. That's right, y'all. Mm-hmm. We are back for another week, bi-week, a-week. <laughs> And um, we are actually here with a twist. Mm-hmm. That's right, y'all. A twist. Because we, we are not reading yeah. neither fiction nor fantasy. Yeah. So literally everything it's I just said to y'all. not even magical. Right. It's mm, I know. Literally just lied to y'all for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like set expectations for absolutely no reason. I love how it's literally the sentence before and then afterwards we're like, actually, that's not the premise. <laughs> you could have just changed the intro we're like mm-hmm. and we're like mm-hmm. yeah we like move differently moving in silence and everyone's like y'all are actually not silence. y'all aren't the netflix writers that y'all think you are um, so that's They're like really... you told us last week what right. you're gonna be reading and actually actually none of us are surprised no one's gooped and gagged like we're actually are pretty placidly just <laughs> listening to this like no one's really like clutching their pearls right. so and someone's like looking at the candle open the store and like, yeah, <laughs> none of us <laughs> <laughs> like someone's just like getting on the bus they're like yeah like this actually doesn't affect my morning commute like it's just like, right. it's just like <laughs> they're actually like we actually plan this much like shenaniganary buffoonery before like the show actually starts you actually do this every time consistently so it's like not surprising I actually shelved enough emotional labor to deal with y'all's fuckery um, so yeah this is this is all pretty much on brand and I'm like oh <laughs> they're like we're really well adjusted anyway, but, um... <laughs> uh, also you used the word bamboozled the other day and I was like I love the word bamboo can we just like it just keep going keep going yeah, keep going keep going sorry no, no, i just it just it's just such it's so it fills your whole mouth bamboozled. <laughs> like, like you weren't just confused like you weren't just like you know it wasn't just a gag <laughs> oh my god no i i'm so glad you said that. bamboozled i have I, I have weirdly so many thoughts about the word bamboozled first of all i agree with everything you just said also there's something like distinctly black about the word bamboozled like i feel like i only hear black people say that shit like i just and it's always just to your point to add that dramatic effect it's like when someone's telling a story and they're like okay so mind you like when when a, when a bitch says <laughs> yes. mind you i'm leaning in i'm like oh mama mm-hmm. what is what what are we minding <laughs> like no literally bamboozled <laughs> is so fun i love that fucking word oh my god <laughs> yeah it's fun anyway so but um speaking of not being bamboozled you know who really has their shit together come on jessica hernandez yes. who wrote what we're reading today which is this amazing beautiful Mm -hmm. just necessary necessary is the right word book fresh banana leaves healing indigenous landscapes through indigenous science this woman this indigenous woman has her phd that's right she fought the white patriarchal system to get those accreditations even though she doesn't need it because what she says in this book just trumps most of the things we learned in school about history the environment Mm -hmm. ecology whatever the ease right you know? <laughs> right. all the isms no so yeah we're excited i'm i'm actually like i'm just I'm like deeply excited and deeply moved and touched by this book so same really same no i am very very hype um i also would love to ask you akko like why did you why'd you pick this book oh yes thank you for asking um so I chose this book for a couple of reasons. The first one is 
I think I've talked about in other episodes, but I've always like some people, some people say that the earth is alive. <laughs> like some mm. people say that forests are alive. It's like, Akko, you believe that forests are alive. Right. You believe that there is spirits in nature. You believe <laughs> in the mm. divinity of all things. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, I come by it honestly, like that's my family and my history is the belief mm. in the divine and the belief in a non-Western idea of everything being alive. And my history does come from farmer people. And a lot of the things here resonated. And what I was taught in school, you know, about the environment and and, and ecology and farming never resonated Mm. with the way I was taught, except for indigenous um, farming practices. Even those, you know, like they would talk about the only... (laughs) The only thing they would talk about indigenous people's mm-hmm. ecological like sciences was like the three um, plant system where it's like beans and squash and corn grown together. Mm-hmm. But that's actually normal practices globally <laughs> to have like an mm-hmm. interwoven system of plants growing together. Like that's most places outside of the West and mm-hmm. the West actually doesn't do that because it's typically cash crops and it's typically colonization Mm. and that's not just basically that practice started internally even in in england Mm -hmm. and then it spread the irish potato famine people don't know but that was another case of colonization (laughs) like the Mm. irish weren't just making potatoes like they're being forced to to produce a lot of wheat to to feed the English empire. And then they were like, well, we can still grow potato. Like I don't even think they're indigenous to Ireland. And Mm. then over time, like the soil, like became, you know, whatever. And then there was Irish famine, which potato famine, which caused a lot of immigration of Irish people like this. And that's the same thing in Egypt with the French colonies. Like it was one of the biggest famines in Egypt was caused by French colonization. Same thing in India. Mm. So this cash crop kind of mentality where you don't grow intertwined together with the environment around it is another product of colonial colonization. Oh, the Dust Bowl in, in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. same thing, same um, mm. cash crop. Uh, and, and also in line with the banks because the banks were giving loans to farmers and the farmers had to produce a certain amount to get enough to pay off the loans for the mm. machinery. It's the same colonial capitalist framework. And it's just, it's kind of painted as natural and it's not. Mm. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of painted as like, well, that just happens from time to time. And you're like, it actually never needs to happen. Right. And it's always caused by like constructional forces. So a lot about this book really, I, and I, you know, I know I talk to Marcy all the time about sort of the environment and, and <laughs> my deep dives in like ancient um, American civilizations and cultures, because I think we've completely lied to ourselves. Mm. And this book, again, completely solidifies that that Mm. we've been completely lied to about the history of the americas and what that means and if we don't stop lying about it we're gonna have a a huge problem because it's it's a lie we've built our whole existence on a lie Mm -hmm. so that's and i want to imagine more you know and this book i think will she, she did a really wonderful thing and she's given us a wonderful gift that i think mm. if we utilize we can we can do more so yeah that is why i chose it <laughs> long drawn out reason no <laughs> it is a deeply necessary reason thank you i this is this is one of those i i mean i feel like typically i would save something like this for the discussion but i'm just gonna say it now i i'm really thankful that you chose this book because i feel like Aww. typically a book like this wouldn't be like my first choice. Like I'm just like, okay, like 
something nonfiction about the environment is from like, you know, someone with a PhD in environmental sciences. Like, is this something that I would, you know, like, like, I don't like, mm-hmm. I would maybe listen to like a podcast episode about like a topic like this, but like a full blown book. Like I, I know myself and I like probably would have just been like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then like, just not like moved um, <laughs> with, with any sense of like urgency there. And so being in a space where like, I was like, okay, like we're going to sit down, we're going to listen to this book. And also like, take notes and understand and like just really try to like sort of immerse myself in it like it was such a to your point like just such a like powerful experience reading this and like it also made me reflect a lot about like my own sort of familial histories and also just like kind of brought into question a lot of my own beliefs like Yes, as just someone who's, like, navigating a Western society, but also even just around, like, spirituality. There was, like, a lot here that I was like, oh, this is, like, really... This is also resonating a lot in, like, a way that I just hadn't really foreseen. Um, Yeah, it's... And and we'll talk about it. Everyone's like, god damn, like, this book sounds good than a motherfucker. And I'm like, it is, (laughs) in fact, good than a motherfucker. Um, But, yeah, so I just want to thank you. Of course. Oh, thank you, my dear. Well, don't thank me yet because I have <laughs> a question. Uh, yes. What is your question, love? Yeah. So, you know, kind of jumping off the reason I chose this book in a similar vein, it made me think of, well, actually, let me step back. I think that we live in kind of, not kind of, I think we live in dark times. Mm-hmm. And by dark times, I mean, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of terrible thinking about people, a very myopic thinking about people, each other, the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, some might even call this a dark age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, and, I, and I think we need to figure out how to imagine more. And I think that actually this is the perfect time to do that imagining. I think... Mm-hmm we can be a really great conduit to the future of something beautiful, like, like seeds. I think Mm -hmm. we're seeds right now and we get to choose what we leave behind Mm -hmm. for the future. And, and so it made me think, well, maybe that's what a Renaissance is. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the flourishing of seeds planted a long time ago. So, (laughs) Mimi saying this is actually making me change my question a little bit. Mm. I guess my question is, what seeds would you plant now for a future renaissance? Oh, my God. I know. Big question. It's very early in the morning where we are. I know. <laughs> Holy fuck. Um, <laughs> wow. That is... Okay. So follow-up question real quick. So is this like the idea of like, what are things that I would do individually to plant seeds towards a renaissance? Or like if seeds were planted for a renaissance, what would I like them to be? Oh, well, I think I like going big and then small. Because it's like, if you do the big one, then you can think of what you could do to Mm. plant, you know? No, that's real. Um, I would say... I would say as far as like seeds that i would like to plant to then just like germinate in the future and just kind of become like you know sort of pieces of our society i to your point i would love to see a huge shift culturally in in a number of ways we go about things um 
one capitalism has got to go has got to get the fuck up out of here like i'm like how are you i'm sorry you're still on the island i'm sorry you still still getting a rose every week like i'm very confused like every clearly the worst house guests why are we allowed i'm sorry why are you still here (laughs) like we have got to get the fuck like this is not it and the thing is i think i feel like um you know this book has really had me questioning in particular the way like i think i often think of and, and, mo- and a lot of us think about capitalism as like sort of an uh, like sort of like an economic system which yes it is but and this is something that you've mentioned before but i feel like i've really been sort of meditating on this idea of capitalism as just like a personal philosophy almost like a like a like a like a moral kind of compass yeah. through which a lot of us sort of justify our own decisions and it really does breed a sense of um sort of siloing oneself and also just isolating oneself um in a way yeah. that just allows not even not to, not to say allows as if that like you know these actions are always justifiable or at all justifiable but like mm-hmm. that i think a lot of people use to justify behavior that is like just truly abysmal um yeah atrocious of, behavior right to yeah. just to protect the interests of either just themselves as an individual or like sort of a small maybe typically nuclear familial type of uh group or like you know just like sort of one small day-to-day more myopic kind of network and so i think i would love to see seeds planted that just really plant this idea of like of escaping that yeah of just escaping that and just like understanding one like our just connection to one another but not in like a voyeuristic Mm -hmm. or like a oh yeah like we're different but like where like the same, like you know, like this, like weird, like I don't know, like like I don't want to just like have that kind of work to squash sort of the. I think it's it's so funny. I feel like this idea of connectedness or like you know being in this together or like whatever. I feel like it's just it's been so co opted by whiteness that like I feel weird even saying that same. as like an idea. But I'm like, no, girl, the idea is sickening. It's just like how it's being discussed is what's not. You know what I mean? So like, I think that's well, and that's the problem, right? Right. With especially with. I don't I want to say like especially in the US like mm-hmm. it's all about taking thing words with meaning and just magicking all mm-hmm. the meaning out of it so that it serves yeah. the oppressive force again and again so every word you use to like go against it just mm-hmm. ends up being co-opted by it even the most beautiful of words gets yeah. consumed by capitalism and mm-hmm. like you suck out all the color and then put in the capitalism <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pump you full of capital. Right. But no, I mean, you make a good point. I think the thing, the erasure here, and there's a lot of erasure, is mm-hmm. that capitalism was never meant to just be an economic system. Mm-hmm. It is a way of thinking all of these things. And that's what the book does a really good job of saying. I think she makes she makes a good point that for indigenous sciences, nothing is separate. Everything is holistic. There is mm-hmm. no silo of biology mm-hmm. or, you know, chemistry. It's all one system. Mm-hmm. And what I think stellar colonialism tries to do is bifurcate things Mm -hmm. and pretend that they're not one but there's no capitalism without colonization and capitalism doesn't just doesn't just exist in the quote-unquote economic realm that we made up there is no economy without the larger culture Mm -hmm. capitalism is the american culture Mm -hmm. if it wasn't the american culture it wouldn't be so present and so impactful in everything you know like it is everything like we are we've been captured we're all kidnapped by capitalism Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that's a really good point um yeah Yeah. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. And I beautifully said. Um, and I think something that I also am just really thinking about as far as like a future renaissance is like I think in the pursuit of growing connected more so to one another, I think there's I think there's also a dual process that needs to happen wherein trying to figure out how to say this i just want to leave like just like plant seeds where it's like okay girl it's just okay it's okay to express it's okay to just like Mm -hmm. explore different parts of yourself like i i I feel like this theme of expression to change to to to, to, you know to to shift in how we show up in in our lives and how it is that we're read i think there's i mean again i mean along with capitalism but also just like you know patriarchy and racism and like so many other like forms of oppression that exists like really just i mean I always, I'm literally always saying this. I'm like screaming this damn near every day. I'm like, privilege never comes for free, girl. Like it does not come for free. Like why are we, why are we acting like she's free? It's not. Like it literally always, it it always comes at a cost. And typically, always comes at a cost. And the cost typically comes at our propensity to sort of like, you know, really accept or, you know, understand the humanity of others. It usually comes at the expense of our own ability to express ourselves with fear that like, okay, if I express myself in a certain way, then that's going to like distance myself from power. Like it it, it shortens Mm -hmm. uh, kind of our Mm -hmm. range of how it is that we can even just show up in this world. Yep. Yep. And I feel like- We miss out on our own divinity. Exactly. By taking away the humanity of others. Exactly. So I'm like- Yeah. Yeah. All, all of that. And so it's just one of those things where I'm like, I would love to sort of plant seeds where that is cast aside, where it's like we're, we're mm. truly in a world where we, like people can just like express who they are and like not and not have to answer so many goddamn questions about it or like have cool. to be so definitive about it or have to be so like, yeah. I'm now moving from this thing to this thing. It's just like, let's just like, just like. Just express like the answer is just yes. Like the answer is yes. It's like oh should I do it? yes? Can I yes? Like it's just like mm-hmm. you like you can just do that. But also like I think sometimes when we talk about like just be yourself, like mm, yeah, just like hang out. Like it's just like we're all it's 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 a. I feel like oftentimes it's, it's said in a way that's like apolitical and also just devoid of context. Like I'm like, there's a reason why people yeah. often are not being their most <laughs> authentic selves because like there's also consequences. Like we also socially engineer yeah. environments and situations that that make it so that that's just either just not an option for people or it's like highly disincentivized to to do that, right? And so it's just and also like we're all supposed to be investing in each other and helping us helping each other define each other, right? So you you know we do this thing where like just be yourself like tell the world who you are it's like what we should have is a world that cultivates the best all of us the fuck on yeah so we can be our best like are are the like the most interesting most innovative Mm -hmm. of humanity you know like we, we should be able it should be the case that like your becoming is supported so that yeah, you can become the best version of you, right. you know? So it's not like you just have to come into the world and tell people who you are right. and then almost have an adversarial relationship with the world. <laughs> because it's, yeah, because it's also like dimin- dim- diminishing to you, right? Like mm-hmm. y- you shouldn't have to be in that defensive position. And then mm-hmm. also it makes it impossible for you to change. Like mm-hmm. you can't because you're staking your ground so hard. You have mm-hmm. to just to be right that you also can't and what does that do to us right like you're right like we are not humans are not stagnant we are flowing yeah 
and we should be able to like move with each other instead of being so rigid and change. Exactly. Which is why I like her point about the the banana leaves. She points out she says that the banana trees, they don't think of them as in, as um, invasive. Mm-hmm. They're displaced. Yeah. You know, it's a much more accepting, a much more like mm-hmm. we can evolve and change yeah. view of being of of being together, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. No, abs- not whatever. Anyway. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too long winded here. So as far as like just like what I might do to perpetuate that, I've been, I just been thinking a lot recently about like, and I think a lot of this comes along with sort of navigating some. I would say largely professional situations that I just be like, girl, I literally hate this. Um, <laughs> it makes. I feel like sometimes it leaves me in such an acrimonious place. Um, and mm. something I've been thinking about is like, yes, all of how I feel right now is valid. How you feel is valid. Like that's okay that you feel this way. You are in a objectively kind of shitty <laughs> situation here. And I always want to show up. And like, I remember I, w- I was actually over the summer, I was taking this writing workshop um, taught by someone who lives here in Brooklyn. And like, I remember they said something, the 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 sort of facilitator of the space says something that just like I've always kind of sat with. Um, it was something to the effect of like, you know, when you show up in a way that's authentic and like just out loud in public in front of others, like you're kind you're teaching someone else how to move. Um, and, you know, they mm. always say that as like, a you know. Oftentimes, to your point, like, it's like when if one has reached a place where like they feel as like, okay, like, I feel like I'm like in myself, like, I feel aligned, like, blah, blah, blah. It's not just like a self-serving thing, right? Like, oftentimes, like, we are, we are, we're influencing one another all the time as far yeah. as we, we also yeah. influence culture. We also influence what, what a makeup of a space looks like, even when sometimes these factors feel so daunting and large. And so I think I'm always thinking about how is it that like, like, I can show up in a space that sort of like engenders a sense of freedom and expression, both in my propensity to sort of explore myself but also even just like to to your point be encouraging support others in their own journeys like i i mean i think a lot about how for example oftentimes in like 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 a like a dance space this is just something that kind of comes up for me a lot like i'm always like how do i just show as much aggressive support as possible like i'm clapping between every per like every time like we break up into groups and people performing. Like I'm always the one that's the loud. I'm like, yes, fuck it up. Wear it out. Da, da, da. Like I'm always like, if someone like, I'm always Aww. just like trying to show up in a way where I'm like, that was so lovely. Thank you so much for like, show like just, I, I'm always just trying to like do that extra thing to be encouraging. Um, and I feel like I'm trying to also figure out how do I just do that? Like, in every aspect of my life. Right. Like, even if I'm mm. like myself struggling or myself don't always feel the most together like just always trying to show up with a sense of just like kind of collective care and support and just getting out of my because i think i've historically linked my own sort of progression in ways that are really staunch really aligned with this idea of like self-reliance and like i gotta do this for me and like i gotta individually you know like very sort of focused on myself and i'm just thinking about like yes we can do the work on ourselves but also like i'm here i, I also want to support others in their journey i also would like to embark on a on a career and do work that allows people to kind of do some of the healing and access some of the the points of expression that allow them to to just show up in a way that that feels better for them which also hopefully in turn will sort of help to kind of create more of a, 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 a sort of an ecosystem wherein um a lot of us are kind of welcome to do the same thing um so it's just i i think i think a lot about 
like, what do I want my presence to represent in a space? If I am now in a space, how do I want that to like mm. shift things or look or like I don't, or even if I'm not actively doing something, what do I not want to represent? Right. Like what are mm. the ways in which I want to show up that don't embody like a, you know, sort of settler colonial, like fucking like hyper individualistic, you know, capitalistic type of right. energy. Um, and, and how do I, just I kind of continue to, to embark on that. So anyway, that's my extremely long-winded way of I answering your question. Uh, I would actually I love, love to hear your thoughts on what you think on this on this topic. Yeah, yeah. And, you're, you know, your support is so validating that I can, you, I think that's a power you have. So thank you. Friends. You bringing people up, I feel like really, yeah, makes them feel seen or understood. Um. I think so. I was thinking a lot about the world right now. I think there is this because it feels like I feel like uh, as you know, the seller colonial era kind of dies, Mm -hmm. which it is dying. There's this fear (laughs) everyone has after living under it for so long, like what, 400, 500 years Mm -hmm. that and it it was a system that built the who is going to hierarchical system, right? Mm -hmm. Of who's going to be the ones considered humans and who's not. And right now, everyone's in the sense of like, am I going to be the one on the bottom now as things rejigger? Like, mm. And everyone's almost vying for a very small piece of a very small pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think the seed, I, I, one of the seeds I want to plant is that it is hierarchies are useless. Mm. We are one people. We always have been. There is nothing else but us being mm. one. We are interconnected. We are interwoven. And we are so much more. We are Mm. so much more than what we've been before. We are so much more than the categories created. We are so much more than our divisions. Mm -hmm. The human race (laughs) has this infinite possibilities of what we could be and become. And all we have to do to do that is start to understand that everyone from you to the other, you are everyone and everyone is you. Mm. All we have to do is, is look at someone else with the truest of love (laughs) Mm. and say, your becoming is also my becoming. And that's really hard in a system that one says, you're, once you die, it's over. So mm. don't give anyone anything right. <laughs> that says only your nuclear family matters. That says, you know, you, there are no consequences if you have enough. Mm. Um, and, and that tells you that in a delu- the delusion, that that's how I want to break the delusion of privilege, mm. of having and scarcity over others, because mm. it is a delusion. And it's if we can just slowly start to plant these seeds. That, that we are more than, than these outlines we've created for ourselves. So mm. that's one thing. And I think we kind of do that with this podcast. Maybe not. Like, <laughs> like, I'm going to give us those still... flowers. I'm going to give us those flowers and say we do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, and we're great. Like, washing their cantaloupe. <laughs> like they finally got home. And they're, they're like, wow, you guys really... <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're bringing back the cantaloupe person. Like we love continuity. Um, <laughs> like they're starting to slice but, uh, it for like a snack. Oh, right? God. They're like they're scooping out the middle. They're like, wow, they really see me. Right? Really? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but there's this phrase in my native <laughs> culture. It's <laughs> song kofa, which is like, mm-hmm. go back and get it. And now they're going to be like, we know where you're from, Akko. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually not lying about it. So mm-hmm. you can also, you can always find me. But, um, and I think what I like about that phrase, and it's been used in the, a lot of different ways in the diaspora, but what I mm-hmm. like about it is it means a lot of things. It, it can mean to forgive. It can mean a renaissance. But what, it, you know, what it what to me it feels like is a moment of re- realization mm-hmm. of acknowledgement that something's missing mm-hmm. something's gonna awry and the deliberate attempt no not even attempt the deliberate choice mm-hmm. to look around examine um internalize and go make right whatever was wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> go even if you have to turn around and go get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you get it and you bring it back to the person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whether that's in your memory, whether that's with a person, whether that's the way you tell the history of a place. Mm-hmm. It, you cannot go anywhere else until you've gone and gotten what you've left behind. Nothing is forgotten. Nothing can keep going until it's whole. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it means. There is nothing. This is all connected. This is all what. So if something's missing... It's nothing. We need to go get it, mm. <laughs> whenever it is. We, whatever reconciliation has to happen, mm. whatever truth needs to be told, and maybe that someone's going to be listening to this, be like, "You read a lot into that word. It doesn't mean all that, but I know that it does." <laughs> mm. <laughs> and and I think it's more than just a renaissance, right? It's a healing, um, and it's it's and then healing. There's an imagination, and then the symbol itself. It's like um. It's like a bird that's like mm-hmm. neck turns around and then there's an egg on its back. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So it's a new life. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a phoenix. It's it's all of those metaphors. It's rebirth. It's life. And so I want to plant the seeds of of a rebirth. And I think part of that is going back and and saying what is and what's lost. And I think this book does that too. Um, mm-hmm. And Justice Cuz probably like, we didn't lose in the first place. <laughs> we still had it, Come which is out. true. But mm. to bring it to the consciousness, the mass consciousness, I think, is is very much that. So yeah. so that is what we're going to do. Well, that preamble, we're now going to... Well, before <laughs> that, actually, speaking of acknowledgement and flowers, we have a shout out. Hey. Right. So we'll do this and then we'll go on break. But mm-hmm. um, E-R-N-C-R-N-Y, I want to say Incrine. Mm-hmm. sure yeah they said love this i adore this podcast and the intel- intellect and playfulness of both hosts see this person is cutting their cantaloupes right it's great to have a podcast <laughs> to direct me to discover more new books mm-hmm. and to hear diverse perspective on some uh some old favorites so mm-hmm. thank you so much that's so yes. lovely to say we try so hard and we appreciate you listening yeah thank you and crying <laughs> we uh we appreciate you that's so truly validating we really really appreciate that thank you mm-hmm. all right we'll take a break see y'all soon okay bye <laughs> bye Right, y'all. So, just to get into it, um, as we said, this book is nonfiction, so it's not like a story. It's more of a telling and a knowledge sharing, mm-hmm. um, and you know, an indigenous scientific summary of a lot of the work Jessica's doing. We're only halfway through, so we don't know everything, but here we go. So, mm-hmm. 
I like this first part because I, I think it's a really beautiful intro, but it starts off discussing the author's heritage and identity as a Zapotec and Maya Chorti woman. Mm-hmm. Her mother is from a pueblo in Oaxaca, Mexico, um, and she grew up in Los Angeles, and her father is from El Salvador. Mm-hmm. So her father's history is actually essential to the story. So he grew up in El Salvador during the Civil War and was forced to be a child soldier. By the way, y'all, another history that's covered up is the U.S. Um, <laughs> political and military entanglement in mm. Latin and South America, which was an extension of settler colonialism mm-hmm. and control and flooded a lot of weapons and military tactics into Latin and South America. Kind mm. of similar how when we talked about Iran and Persepolis and soldiers being trained. Yeah. By the U.S. and British Army. Okay, just so we're... Anyway. You literally aren't shit. I swear to God. Uh, and, anyway. and this is... Right, and these, these tactics... I mean, this continues to influence the people of South America and Latin America to this day. So, anyway, during this time as a soldier, uh, basically, I even struggle to... I mean, it's a child soldier, but mm, it's a child right. <laughs> who is forced into war. Yeah. Um, Basically, while he was doing this, a bomb was dropped over where he was located, mm-hmm. and he hid under a banana tree. And he says that the banana tree kind of stretched out its leaves and covered the the bomb, and it didn't explode, mm-hmm. even though bombs were exploding all around him. Right. So he lived. Um, and he actually fled El Salvador mm-hmm. for Mexico, where he met her mom. But because he's El Salvadorian, and he was facing um, discrimination in Mexico because there's mm-hmm. a lot of internal discrimination in borders, which Jessica talks about, he ended up fleeing to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and her mother decided to go with him. Mm-hmm. So as we said, she uses this as kind of a jumping off point into the idea of Latina dad mm-hmm. and how the identity of oppression and settler colonialism is complex over the U S and Latin and South America. Mm-hmm. And so, but all of it favors white settler colonialism, right? Like mm-hmm. all of it favors whiteness as the top of the hierarchy and everybody else as lower on a rank <laughs> um, in mm-hmm. like a varying forms. And, and that, you know, the difference in the U S is always this one drop rule. Right. Um, and even that's not true, right? There has always been this um, creating of whiteness, right. And this sort of negotiating for who is white quote unquote, which mm-hmm. happened up into the present. And again, kind of what I was saying earlier about people still trying to figure out where the hierarchy stands now because it's mm-hmm. in flux. Yeah. Um, but she talks about how, in in Mexico and in El Salvador and other parts of Latin South America, there is this idea of mestizaje mm-hmm. where everyone is mixed together and everyone's the same. There's no discrimination here. We're all we're all from we're indigenous and black Show. and we're mixed with Hispanic <laughs> settlers. We're like, who could even say? And you're like, who could even say except how come all the indigenous folks and black Afro Latinos like um have <laughs> less money and resources <laughs> and are like consistently discriminated against right. and um what's what's that all about? And they're like, who could say? Because if we're colorblind, we wouldn't know. <laughs> like, oh my god! Hmm, this sounds like a really great way to keep a hierarchy exactly the way it is without mm. having to um, do anything about it <laughs> and erase the violence <laughs> and genocide <laughs> that has been caused by a perpetuation of settler colonialism. And mm. um, she also makes this really great point about these civil wars, quote mm-hmm. unquote, were also a continuation of the genocide of Latin of of indigenous folks in. Latin and South America. And so mm-hmm. it, it's not this, these, and she, when she talks about the 
populations before and after Mm -hmm. these wars i mean the numbers are staggering Mm -hmm. and to the point where the un has recognized some of these these uh civil wars as just you know genocides (laughs) ethnic cleansing Mm -hmm. um and and she talks about how that that continues to this day but she also Mm -hmm. talks about how everything is connected so it's not just people it's also an an ecological colonialism that's continued to this day and and the destruction of the rainforest and these um kind of capitalistic farming practices and it, it's all the same thing <laughs> she's mm-hmm. like we can't separate it out for us n- the environment is us and mm-hmm. it's it's place is us and gender and nature and spirituality and animals they're all the same (laughs) there's no separation there's no biology without chemistry without Mm. physics um and she talks about her reality of of someone who's displaced Mm. and how she sees herself as a visitor on other indigenous people's lands and how she moves in that space it's not about she she says like we all come from a place and if you're not in your place you're you're a visitor and that and treating that with a respect mm. which is very antithetical to settler colonialism Literally the aggressive obviously yeah. <laughs> um but i think she makes a lot of really cool caveats i just want to make this one point it's actually in the introduction not in the um the story itself mm-hmm. but she talks about how you know Black Americans are were indigenous people of Africa taken mm-hmm. to then displace indigenous people mm-hmm. in the U.S. and all of this ecological work is indigenous people's work, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and how that's discredited and and sort of uh, negated by this settler colonialism lens, and, and that's true. You know, a lot of the early settlers like they actually could not have survived without indigenous people or the mm-hmm. people they enslaved like they actually yeah. didn't know how to farm like they yeah. were all second sons who were like i know how to like paint <laughs> 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 i don't know buttresses i don't know oh my God. <laughs> like they weren't you know a lot of them they had no like people would have died you yeah. know but and so to erase that ecological knowledge that other people had and was sought after mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know it, the U.S. story is this, is this lie that says that the what people came and just like foraged through and, mm-hmm. and built <laughs> when really no they came into a place that was already a civilized like various different civilized areas mm-hmm. took people with civilized knowledge mm-hmm. <laughs> and just forced everyone to do things for them. So anyway, so she talks about how eco-colonialism affects indigenous peoples, it forces displacement, and and it causes emotional and ecological grief. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, thank you for that, Akko. And, you know, also, before I even continue, y'all, honestly read this goddamn book i'm sorry I, it's just please you mu- please read it. you must read it we haven't <laughs> just, done it justice like we haven't done it justice like it's just there's so many like anecdotes and examples and things that she gives that like if we were to sit here and like talk about all the points that were made we would be here for eight Four hours <laughs> um which i mean at this point we might as well just read the book on the podcast which i'm pretty sure is like that's <laughs> maybe all t- we'll do that right which i mean might be all types of copyright issues but whatever anyway <laughs> <laughs> but continuing, um, so Jessica, what, what I love about this um, story, though, is that um, she weaves sort of her personal experiences, just navigating academia with the broader point she's making around just indigenous science and like sort of the healing of landscapes and things, um, and also just the history of things like eco-colonialism, etc. And so she talks a lot about just like, you know, how 
as she was navigating these sort of like Western educational systems, um, like higher education for, for her master's, for her eventual PhD, she was always kind of given this undue pressure to like validate mm. herself, to cite her experiences. Like she would speak about things from like her indigenous lens and like professors would mockingly be like, oh, like that's Jessica's theory. Or like, could you give us a, a citation of what that means exactly? Like right. always questioning her when when her white colleagues were never put in question when they talked about their experiences or wove that into the broader things that they were discussing. Um, and also how just like as an indigenous person, like in these spaces, also talk like talking about settler colonialism and eco-colonialism and all the ways in which this manifests like that kind of like the white folks around her her advisors professors were just like kind of made Mm. uncomfortable by that because the environmental sciences i I would say probably just i mean really just the sciences more broadly just like just generally speaking do not necessarily discuss the impact of settler colonialism or the ways in which settler colonialism settler colonialism also kind of informs the ways in which we even think about these like scientific yeah. praxis, right? Um, yeah. And so uh, moving on, basically to, to just provide a, a definition, Hernandez talks about um, eco-colonialism, which he basically defines as this idea of white people, settlers, colonizers, um, and their descendants kind of controlling natural resources and governing mm-hmm. over indigenous land without actually respecting indigenous sovereignty, uh, making decisions without consulting indigenous communities, gatekeeping opportunities to make decisions around Ooh. environments because of certain requirements that 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 put a lot of indigenous people sort of at a disadvantage or discredits the the validity and the importance of sort of local knowledge that mm-hmm. is that is m- far more useful <laughs> than a lot of the Ooh. shit that the girlies are using to and make accurate. these decisions. Right, way more accurate. Come on now. So, um, and, and and what I love about this part is that she talks about, um, you know, there's there's this lie of objectivity, right? This idea that mm-hmm. the science is a scientific yes. method. It's objective. This is objective. We're all just doing things. Like this is like the only way we could have thought of this when yep. when in actuality is just a framework. It's just one way of collecting knowledge, which is a way that I've always felt. But like hearing her say it in this way, I was like, oh, this is very, very validating. Um, And it's hard because it's the way you've always felt. And like you and I went to the same university. It is the very thing they try to take out of you Mm -hmm. is like you're sitting there. You're like, wait a second. This is just a subjective framework and they're like no this is the only framework elsewise why would you have a whole institution to legitimize it and you're like hmm that's telling to me that maybe you're trying to um compensate for something okay right (laughs) like literally um so (laughs) so yeah so it was just it was just it was really really interesting um but uh, moving forward, she was talking about um, sort of modern movements of environmentalism and conservation and how while the intention is typically to sort of preserve nature, it's usually from, again, like a more capitalistic, colonizing type of perspective of this idea that nature has this like beauty, it offers this wonder. There's like a this purity. Yeah, exactly. Untouched purity. Right. It's almost a little like, I don't know, you know. It must conquer the pure rainforest. You know? Yeah, it's giving some sort of like Christianity values. Like, there's a lot I think of intersection there. Um, and- oh yeah, and there's whole there's this whole thing about neo Nazis and the environment. I don't I don't have to get into it, but it definitely follows this purity mm-hmm. archetype of like, and and it is deeply racist because it's yeah. like all these other people are ruining our pure environment mm-hmm. for our pure children, and right. you're like, mm-hmm, again. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the mm, that be sending me. Like, it's like mm, 
but yeah, like, and, and, and it's like, and, and, and the, you know, what led to where we are as far as these themes of, especially conservation, and especially when you look at sort of the formation of a lot of the different national parks, not only in the U.S., but just throughout, uh, she largely talks about the U.S. and, and Latin America. Like in the formation of these parks, like there was also an active effort to displace yeah. indigenous people who were literally already there, like just on there it. on the land. And like folks were like, oh, we need to actually use this t- um, to preserve this because nature is beautiful and offers us wonder. Um, not We're not going to sit down and think about what we can contribute to nature. Nature is just giving right. us so much. So you must leave type energy, which is like obviously fucked. Right. We um, need to take it free from you so we can have it to fit in our worldview. Right. Exactly. So that's... This is similar to um, Central Park. Central Park was a black town. Mm. (laughs) And they, like kicked everybody off it was called seneca they just they just displaced all these people to build a park because they're like but the new yorkers need a park and you're like there's new yorkers living there who probably are the reason why this still exists in harmony oh no i'm sorry you weren't (laughs) listening as you just (laughs) kept breaking down people's houses i'm sorry i was i thought i would explain things and that would matter i was just oh oh my god that's (laughs) i did not know that i'm gonna look more into that history um interesting interesting there's a little sign at central park still not a little sign damn yeah a little sign oh well (sighs) literally the bare minimum like the actual not even actually sub bare minimum even the bare minimum is like y'all could have done more i'm sorry we could have done more than that oh Um, oh so well you could have left it there right you could have also just (laughs) not not like you literally could have just not but any goddamn way um but yes moving forward uh you know so uh in in the book hernandez talks a lot about also how in in discussions of indigenous land oftentimes urban land is like left out of that conversation um because you know there's this sort of a stereotype that all indigenous people live sort of on reservations or in these more rural areas without acknowledging the 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 fact that i'm pretty sure the majority of indigenous people at least in the u.s live in more urban areas and how that in itself is a form of displacement um like oftentimes Mm -hmm. we usually think of displacement as like a kind of transnational type of movement but but oftentimes it can also just be the forcible movement either within a city or from a rural area to a city or in in a way that like honestly i, I want to revisit this because there, there was a lot of thoughts about that came up when she was talking about this kind of urban displacement yeah. piece that i think also had a lot of personal resonance for me um yeah. but moving forward she was kind of talking about just giving an example of how for example seattle is is actually named after an indigenous chief who because of of a settler colonial ordinance that was put into effect like shortly thereafter like was actually not even allowed in back into what we now call seattle um even though back they, into to, to his home yeah by the way. just just so we're clear exactly right <laughs> so there's that um and then she kind of further goes on to discuss how essentially settler colonialism um it's just like this truly all-consuming thing and uh, how oftentimes yeah. There's a trend wherein forces will take indigenous knowledge or expertise, lived experiences, co-opt them, um, and essentially perpetuate them or take ownership over them um, while actively excluding the indigenous peoples and their communities that kind of actually created that knowledge. Um, So she kind of gives this example of um, permaculture and how that was really rooted in indigenous um, ecologies, specifically from an aboriginal um, Tasmanian Palawa practices and how that was later appropriated by this guy named Bill Mollison, um, who is seen as like the the founder, quote unquote, of permaculture when it's like this is literally this like isn't new girl. Like it's like you literally just yeah. like 
And he, he lived with them. Yeah. He learned it from them. And then the West was like, you who we shan't name, you are the creator. Right. <laughs> such an innovative human. Yeah. So just things like that. Um, and she also talks about just, and she also challenges sort of these, this Western idea of kind of a linear modernity or sort of like evolution of technology and talks about how a lot of Western epistemology cannot actually explain a lot of sort of uh, indigenous structures that have just been witnessed throughout time. So things like, you know, the pyramids, um, astrological Mm -hmm. advancement, mathematics, like a lot of these things, Western philosophies and understandings of the world cannot actually to this day account for like how a lot of these structures exist or, or, or sort of like how this knowledge was obtained and so there's sort of this um you know there's there's kind of a grief in discussing like damn like settler colonialism really worked to in 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 the taking of land and people also worked to destroy systems of knowledge that like truly like were on some other shit like literally on some other level um I just wanted to point out, I love what she says about they. it scared them. And so mm-hmm. they destroyed it. And I think, you know, when they tell the, the story of the Americas and, and you know, whatever, the colonizers, mm-hmm. they, I, this is a missing piece. And this is what I mean by, like, really thinking about what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were like, what we have, be, because colonization is based on a deep sense of inferiority. That mm-hmm. That's true in Africa, the colonization in Africa, in India, and here too. And mm-hmm. the answer to that deep sense of insecurity and, and inferiority was, we have guns, guns kill quickly, guns mm-hmm. kill better, that makes us feel better. And mm-hmm. to this day in the US, <laughs> we live with that legacy. Mm-hmm. We were built on that, and that's how we survive to this day, is violence and military might and gunpowder. And I think that is a really good missing piece they didn't mm-hmm. come here and see nothing. Right. They come here and saw something that caused a like existential fear of their yeah. existence. And the only thing they knew to do with that fear was to try and get it for all it was worth, kill people oh <laughs> and subjugate God. it to themselves oh and change the, you know, and, and we have to remember the religious piece of this, right? Like mm-hmm. if this all existed and none of them believed in our God, <laughs> what does that say about our God? Mm-hmm. That's another existential crisis for mm-hmm. people who are so deeply at this point, their whole existential existence is wrapped up in their perception of their religion in particular right. at this time, right? In particular, the people coming to the, you know, the U.S. God, golden glory. Right. And, and, and I think that's just a really important piece to think about as well. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Marcia, I cut you off. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. No, absolutely. That that piece is is huge. Um, and yeah, that, that insecurity, that inferiority, um, just it, uh, people use it for the worst of things. And again, go back and read this, please. But like please, uh, something please. else that she was talking about um, was that for a lot of indigenous people in in colonization and in, in sort of this extraction from folks, there was a lot of indigenous pieces of, of knowledge and cultural um pieces of cultural importance and things like that that were sort of taken away from communities and then like put and this into- one i relate to yeah and, yeah and- <laughs> the amount of stuff that people the amount of other places I've, i'm like how did this y'all y'all need to give this stuff back yeah. to us and everybody else who it belongs to like, literally it's- just sitting in museums like Ooh. in britain like just like random fucking it's places so you're infuriating. like what the fuck like why is this here um and, it's and like, this is not the place for it. This does not, you have not done it the honor 
it deserves you haven't you're this is not you've taken it out of its play and she says this in the book like mm-hmm. uh, indigenous sciences believe it's wrapped up in its place and I, mm-hmm. that's a true feeling like you take something out and you put it in a glass box and you tell us that's you're like and this is what it is you right. you make it into something you charge I'm, people I'm sorry, money this to is see a discussion it and, like, all this other shit yeah like yeah and you like how do i like i said when you magic the words out of things mm-hmm. you're, you're magic the meaning out of words you just magic the meaning out of this this the, whatever this is by putting it in your framework and mm-hmm. no you do not see it you're not mm-hmm. actually looking at it when you look at it that way that isn't what it is mm-hmm. but you're saying it's objectively that's what it objectively is mm-hmm. outside of time and place it's not objectively anything that's right. like taking a cell phone onto the moon with no charger and being like it's just <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they just like blocks they just make weird block thingies <laughs> just <laughs> we don't know what it's for it's like, no what meaning the fuck? oh my god <laughs> sorry okay you're good and, and she gave an example about talking about how like um you know the codices from her mother's pueblo which is typically written on deer skin it holds a lot of just really important knowledge is like yes. in this museum in mexico city and how like she's like yeah like a lot of folks from my pueblo like want to go and sit like there was somebody who went to this museum like from the community and, and like took pictures yeah. of the codices and like that and, and came back and showed this to, to folks in the community and, 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 it, and it informed some of the what was the example that she gave i think they were making clothes or something like that it was like yeah she, i think it, they were putting patterns on clothes yeah and so and and, and folks are trying to like work to better understand some of the things that are written down but it's like again like it's it's like i'm sorry i have to go into a goddamn mexico city take a picture <laughs> from a museum bring it back to my own community knowing that that shit right. is ours and i'm trying to right. learn from this shit retroactively with no context because the description that's written here is clearly fucked and doesn't make any sense like it's just like what is this um after years of all these reform schools of stripping people's language from their culture of of making it so that mm-hmm. people can't learn from each other you then re- recognizing that things have value take it away and put it in a glass case where we also can't get to it like, like I, it's a continuing of i'm trying not to use the word epistemology anymore but mm-hmm. it is epistemological warfare no definitely and it's a form of just knowledge theft right because it's like oftentimes yes. like you it's like this is actually and all of that is intentional right like we're active like like colonizer settler colonial settler colonialism and actively trying to sever knowledge ties yeah. of these indigenous groups because again feeling threatened like to perpetuate this idea of hierarchy yep. and like oh like intellectually speaking like westerners whiteness all of that embodies sort of what what modernity looks like and what um advancement yeah. in society looks like we, we and this like, is the only way it could be right we are we are going to force you all to do this so we don't have to think about any more our myopic view becomes the only way that it ever could be right look it's imagination theft too yeah. it's all sorts of theft yeah literally just <sighs> Yeah. So um, closing out, though, basically, uh, Hernandez <laughs> talks a lot about uh, this idea of concentric ecology, which is essentially the idea that um, a lot of uh, indigenous groups just see themselves as like inextricable from nature. Like nature is not this like separate other thing. We're more so just an extension of it. Right. Um, yeah. And how a lot of indigenous groups are more so just think about things holistically and not necessarily because like, you know, Western and 
separation of like academic principles, for example, like kind of like what you're saying earlier, right? Like there's biology, chemistry, et cetera. Whereas all of these things kind of come together and like there's not necessarily a separation. She gave this really interesting example where she was her she was talking to her dad um, and she was asking him like how he learned to fish because he like taught himself. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot of the like elders in the community were just like, okay, like before you just, it's not just about the fish or the water. Like, go to the actual place where the fishing happens and just observe what's going on. Look at the trees. Yeah. How are they moving? Okay, that communicates something about the wind and like the placement of the leaves shows you like that, that can, mm-hmm. that's going to inform just like the movement of sort of everything that's going on in the water. Notice all this, like notice the rocks that are like near the banks. Like just notice everything that's going on. Like take that because all of that's going to be interacting and all of that's going to have everything to do with how you go about the practice of fishing, right? As opposed to just being like, okay, just like go to the water and like, you know, only focus on what's going on in that one place, right? So like that was that, right. that, that was just kind of a quick example that she gave. But um, again, y'all, to not be long-winded as shit, we're just going to move on to the discussion section <laughs> and just encourage everyone to read this book. Because there's so um, much more here that we didn't even touch. Like literally didn't even touch. Um, yeah. So yeah, so we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, um, we're going to get into the discussion section for... Fresh banana leaves. See you on a bit. And we're back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously we liked this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I think for me, it was really... I mean, I, I did choose it, but I, it was exactly what I thought it was when I chose it, which is just whatever. There's not more I can say like on my philosophical. I feel really good reading mm-hmm. this book. I feel like a lot of the things I've been thinking about, about, you know, being our futures, future kin's ancestor. She mm-hmm. mentions that she mentions this really beautiful line that her father told her is, you know, if you protect nature, it protects you. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I do think about that. My, (laughs) my grandmother who who passed away recently, Mm -hmm. way back in colonized. (laughs) Anyway, there's a story of her and um, other people having to run away into the forest to Mm -hmm. escape some (laughs) violence from colonization. And it, really made me think of that and and you know she says this line where without those banana trees like she's not here mm-hmm. and i think about the forest that way that way too and and, and i wouldn't be here mm. um and i think about how recently that was for me and just how recently it was for her and her her father and um and my family's history of of farming and it's really funny because she mentions the banana trees and how they're actually not indigenous Mm -hmm. (laughs) they come from polynesia like Mm -hmm. which is so interesting because it denotes this like um global trade prior to um settler colonialism in the west which the west loves to believe like it invented global trade Mm. (laughs) it just turns out everyone was globally trading literally already doing it (laughs) yeah so exactly so like they come banana trees come from polynesia but they're in obviously they're in africa and they're in um central and south america and also we have a lot of cocoa trees which do come from central america which is part of the atlantic slave trade but Mm. it is also integrated into our culture and there's i loved what she said about 
things not being invasive, <laughs> but mm. displaced. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's a really beautiful <laughs> mm. way of looking at the world. And, and I think what I love about it, I love it for kind of what, what we were, what we were reading the whale rider mm-hmm. and it, you know, and seeing ourselves, our future as it, it's, it's all part of it. Like mm. <laughs> we are not gone, you know, we are evolving towards the future. Colonization didn't destroy us. <laughs> right. We are, is a part of the story, but we are not erased. And she says this line actually, where she says it's, you know, it's an oppressive language to say that indigenous people are extinct. Like mm. no one's extinct unless the human race is extinct. Right. <laughs> Everybody is, is, is here. We are not gone, you know, mm. and that should put the fear of in people who try to genocide mm. others because it's never worked. <laughs> you never might works. not Yeah, you you can cut down people's numbers, but unless you're going to get rid of the human race and all of the morality, you're never going to destroy people. Mm-hmm. Um so so I I really I don't know. I I really thought that was was beautiful. I I did want to point out something that I don't think a lot of people know too about sort of indigenous civilizations Mm. most of the u.s roads or a decent portion of them are built on indigenous roads so Mm. i I think the u.s has a very odd and uh, there's multitudes and in the u.s there's like civilizations and structures that we just ignore Mm. (laughs) that are just around like in the cahokia which is like in the midwest there's like Mm. a whole astrological time dial (laughs) just like Mm. accurately points to the stars you won't really learn about that and i i just i really like this book for like saying i'm going to put this in everybody's Mm -hmm. like present consciousness as much as i can (laughs) i don't i don't have the words for it please just read the book (laughs) that's what i'm gonna say what about you marcy yeah i mean i (laughs) definitely resonate with 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 a lot of that i feel like this book really, I just really needed this book. Like, I really needed to just, like, sit with this narrative and just, like, I mean, to your point, I feel like she makes so many interesting points throughout it that I'm like, yep, that that really resonates. I mean, just talking about her experiences in higher ed and, like, all of that. Like, I'm just like, yep, like, yeah. that's real. But, like, I think one thing I really appreciate about this narrative was just the exploration of land as kind of just just challenging paradigms around how we think of land and nature and sort of what is in the foreground what is in the background you know and and how like she was saying that for a lot of indigenous groups like everything like sort of the the knowledge the 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 cultural um kind of major pieces are all place-based right and that there's this idea that you know this idea that like my how it is that i show up in the world or sort of the my understandings of the world the philosophies that i hold have everything to do with the place that i am in right and so like when we talk about climate change she made this really interesting point where she was talking about how oftentimes you know we don't necessarily discuss things like ecological grief um that Mm. many indigenous groups are experiencing as far as like you know, not like when land is destroyed or when things are, de- you know, deforestation, all of that, when folks are displaced, like there is this like grief of like, wow, like the land that like hel- holds a lot of 
resonance for 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 me and my community like that's just being taken away it's being stolen it's being destroyed actively you know like it's just there is it's more it's it's more of a there's a deeper spiritual grief there and like you know when we just when we don't discuss the impact of emotions and spirituality and climate change discourse it's also just it's 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 anti-indigenous it's also taking away from how it is that we are experiencing this because i think oftentimes there can be such a huge and i i know i fall into this like occasionally as well there can always just be this like this nihilism around climate change and like around just how like the world is just like so fucked it's just like i don't know like i think i mean but that's that is accurate she had no point in this book said that wasn't true (laughs) that is true but you to your point like it's it's not just about what you like you're saying it's a grief on a deeper level than mm-hmm. just like we're screwed it's, yeah, a, it's exactly. a mass death of community mm-hmm. it's a mass loss of of perishing it's like we're in a con- continual funeral like procession mm-hmm. yeah um exactly exactly and i just and and it was there were so many points that she made around for instance like the story about, you know, her dad and the and the banana tree and how, you know, it's it protected him. She was saying that, you know, under a Western philosophy, they they would say something like, Oh, that was a miracle. Like that what a strange, hapless thing that happened. And she was like, Literally, no. Um, nature protects us when we protect it. And also like this tree is not just like it did not only have use because it saved my father or provided food for him when he was like, you know, in navigating this war, but also like plants, the animals around us, like they, they, we don't see them as only just food or for their use, quote unquote, like they're simply relatives as well. They are simply, there is an expansive sense of what is relative, like what is relative, what what does family look like? Right. Um, And when we talk about ancestors, she was saying that, for like her own philosophies and, and, and those of Zapotec, Maya Chorthi people is that, you know, this idea that yes, our ancestors, the persona, the people, right. That, that precede us, uh, look after us and, and, and protect us, but also so do, so too do, you know, the, the living things around as well, like the plants, the animals, oftentimes ancestral wishes can sort of, be transferred into these other forms of life, but also like ancestry is not only limited to the actual physical people, right. (laughs) In, in, in our lives and that, no, it's, it's really not in that, in that. And also too, that, that what we call nature, the environment also holds grief too. also holds trauma. Like there's also like, it's not, it also holds love. It also holds love too. And it's like, you know, this idea that like during the scenes under which, horrific or violent things are taking place it's not like that just is removed from the place itself right it's not like that yeah. like and it's so interesting because i you know it makes me think about sometimes i i i remember i used to listen to this podcast um lore that would talk a lot about like Ooh. places like being haunted and like oh like this one place like yeah you go to this abandoned hospital and it just like holds all these different spirits and like there was uh, there was almost this framework of like that's just so wild and it's like i mean is it because like yeah like place also holds memory place also memory. holds emotion too yeah. and it's not only because like 
there were people there, but also like things are living that aren't just people. It's not just about people, girl. Like it's just like <laughs> there's like it there like sentience is bigger than what Western ideologies yes. tell us. And even for example, she uh, you know, Hernandez, she mentions like uh rocks for instance you know it's like it's like you're part of this i mean we may not consider a rock a a rock as something that is quote living but it's not to say that like a rock doesn't hold spirit a rock doesn't hold importance a rock is not also part of this like ecosystem as well and doesn't but you know what's wild Mm -hmm. humans got to this planet short (laughs) we're like one of the newest species around Mm -hmm. we did not invent any of the stuff that came before us and Mm -hmm. we're like yes we know Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. we can tell you mm-hmm. where y'all are. You're like, <laughs> I just think about like Lake Superior. That lake has been around millions, if not billions, of years, and we're like, we know what this is. And you're like, I can't. Can you perceive a billion? <laughs> just, right. Just right. I'll wait. And so, like to your point, like I think I said in a different episode, like we come from consciousness. We did not make it. Like we are a product of consciousness none of us know how in god's green earth it got here Mm. what it is or the whole entirety of it so it is so it's such a hubris for us to be like yes (laughs) we know what it is right like we perceive it and our perception makes our universe Mm. but that doesn't mean it it is objectively what it is like we we need a little more humility like my god (laughs) t t no absolutely absolutely and it's just there's so yeah that (laughs) you know like it's just like this idea that it's like oh yes we know everything or like oh yes like nature is something to be right like it's something to be extracted from or that we just assume it's no better it's just like that's i mean and and look at look at the state of 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 the world yeah Um, we clearly didn't clearly clearly, didn't it took us a hundred years or to whatever 200 years to literally to just truly fuck everything up and i'm like that's really interesting because like huh i mean even another is we're destroying we're we're destroying ourselves like (laughs) this will continue we if we cannot get it together will not that's it yeah and 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 in fact it's not even all of us (laughs) who Mm -hmm. won't make it (laughs) like those of us who can figure out how to do this Mm -hmm. how to evolve will continue Mm -hmm. but we have to think that this is sustainable yeah we are on borrowed time people (laughs) it is so bar we already passed the point it it, it, it's absurd Mm. it's and it's such an arrogance and it's such a consumptiveness and it's such a deep well of insecurity Mm -hmm. um even in the modern sense yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) we need to like do some soul searching like actually exactly because like i think one of the things i'm really sitting with reading this first part is um you know to your point there needs to be just a like a like a deep deep paradigm shift like it's not about like cool like planted a tree it's like no we need to like on a fundamental philosophical level have got to change like it's not just about like oh let's get the environment back it's like to do so we will actually need to just fundamentally change how it is that we think about each other and how it is that we think Mm -hmm. about just land and environment and and, and sort of ecosystems right like it's not about just people first and everything else second or in the background or something to be marveled at nature is not only useful quote unquote like in the sense that it provides us with beauty or food or whatever it's like it is also like 
this is a bi-directional relationship <laughs> right but it is also in and of itself alive right <laughs> it is also itself just like you are yourself you wouldn't like if someone was like well you know humans produce really great um hair <laughs> so we just mm. we aliens we took all of their hair we made hair machines you know like we use it to power our <laughs> space jet <laughs> like it would be very just like you think about the matrix like we're, we're like <gasps> it's a dystopia that we've been turned into batteries <laughs> mm. Yeah, so clearly we wouldn't like it, you know, and, and everything else is of itself as much as it is of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were taught wrong. We right. were miseducated, y'all. And, right. and then that's the, we were miseducated and we need to m- admit this. This is what I mean by Son Kofa. We just, we were miseducated. We must reeducate. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, isn't that what, <laughs> I'm sorry, not to bring it back to black literature, <laughs> but I mm-hmm. am in a second. I'm just thinking of Lauren Hill, like the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Like, mm-hmm. this is what is said. Like, we can admit this. Like, we can admit this. Mm-hmm. And we can, we don't have to take it in as ourselves anymore. We can change. Yeah. We, we can change. <laughs> in fact, not only can we, but we should change. Like, it's We must okay. change? Uh, <laughs> well, we, we don't have to. We can always choose death. But we, we can <laughs> Fair. No, and I, I want to put it that way because it is a choice, and yeah. we can make it. Yeah, and we sh- we should we make it probably, but mm. even if you even like, why not, y'all? Like we can like, and I think it's this fear that we cannot be more than this. Mm. Oh, but we can be. We not only can we, but we have been mm. so much more than this. Yeah, <laughs> and we can even be more than we were before. Like it's. There are so many possibilities when you let go of the scarcity of racism and imperialism. And mm-hmm. we don't need it. <laughs> we don't. We tried it, y'all. We tried it for a whole 400 years. Look where it got us. Right. Hey, <laughs> the other day I was thinking like what we could call this podcast alternatively. And it'd be literally let's do something else. <laughs> what if we just like did something else? Consider this <laughs> we just doing something, something else. else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like did I cut you off? I'm sorry. Um, I don't remember, but like, I loved everything you said. So like, it's fine. (laughs) Um, but like, yeah, I, I'm just doing a lot of self-reflection here. Um, and also just thinking about like, I don't know. I I, I think this book to you, to your point, you, you mentioned a story earlier around, around your grandmother. And I'm just also just thinking a lot about just like my own family and sort of familial links to, to land to farming yeah. um you know just sort of the the knowledge that exists within certain cha- you know just within the channels of my own family and like i'm i'm just also just thinking a lot about sort of the, like that knowledge and you know also just like i don't know for i'm just uh, yeah just think thinking a lot about my own interaction with land how yeah. it is that i show up what is my like what am i because i know as far as like how i think about nature and environments like there, there's a lot of uh, room for growth um glows and grows oh, you know girl, that's all of us like that's so everybody. i'm definitely sitting with um yeah just my own kind of like okay like let's let, let, let's come back to this let's reevaluate this um and also to your point about just being more than this also kind of moving beyond what a western education indoctrination socialization has taught me about the the extent to which um like i can see like 
the world around me or the, like nature that exists. Um, so that that I, yeah. I think I'll, I'll probably expand on this in part two, but I know that's something I'm definitely thinking yeah. about. And we have you'll probably hear us pontificate all this again because we got to read part two. But Literally, so but yeah, I I was just. I, you know, I the book makes I don't want to come off as like I'm so good at the environment. I'm not. <laughs> I am terrible <laughs> at environmental things. But I think for me, my boldness comes from this feeling of shame mm. because this book made me think you. But you do know better, and you've had different ways of th- you have in different ways of thinking. It was both validating in the sense that I was like, oh, yeah, these are things ways I thought, and mm-hmm. these are way of I've gone through the world. Like mm-hmm. her point about being a visitor on land. Like I travel a decent bit <laughs> mm. not from a place of like i have all the privilege to travel <laughs> sometimes mm. it's more like a i need to tra- <laughs> leave mm. but uh, always when i was in those cohorts m- there was something to me about if you're somewhere you're not you're a guest in a mm. way that like didn't really resonate with <laughs> if i was abroad with like mm. my cohorts always they were like we don't understand and i was like i don't know enough to explain it to you but i do know mm. enough to know that this is what i'm saying is or what, how I'm moving is cor- correct. Right. But so there is some val- a lot of validation, but there was also a lot of shame that I had let a lot of Western modalities be truth mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, so it's not like I'm over here. <laughs> right. I'm so good at this. I'm like literally perfect. That's so weird that y'all aren't perfect. That's embarrassing. Ew. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's embarrassing for you that you're not perfect. No, right. Ew. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could it be me? Uh, <laughs> could not be me. <laughs> um, I did my, my final point for this session, though, was the this line she says that her, her father said, when the planes came in, like the military planes, and it, mm. and he he looked up because everything had gone silent, mm-hmm. and I thought that was such an interesting framing mm-hmm. because in the West you're taught that planes make noise and nature is silent. Mm. When he saw this huge, what we consider loud, booming object as a silencer, it silenced everything else, mm-hmm. and and I I that was really poignant to me. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's real. Did you have any other thoughts, Marcy? Um, <laughs> I. We can always keep them for part two. Yeah, I did want to say because I feel like I know me in the future, and me in the future might be like, "Oh, girl, that point that I wanted to bring up, we forgot." I'm like, "Okay, okay let me just say it now, just real quick." Yeah, yeah. Something that I I did um think about a lot, and we can we can certainly expand on this later. But you know, the piece that she said around just like urban displacement of indigenous folks um and how sort of the mm. sort of the forced removal from like a rural space to a more urban space or even just within sort of these different spaces can often be facilitated by just like opportunity that exists um like oftentimes yeah. there's a narrative yeah. that okay like if i want to advance um if i want to have a better you know socioeconomic reality for for myself for my family whatever like oftentimes i have to move to a more urban area or, or go somewhere else right yeah. because where i or even leave up, the country or even just leave the country um mm-hmm. because of where i grew up where my community is is not where a lot of the opportunities opportunities lie and it's something that i was like when she said that i was like oh not me being co- completely thrown for a loop here because it's just it really again just i'm doing a lot of familial reflection right now um and i think that has been true in my own life and also something that like i mean just i like it just generations of of my own family and that's been kind of true 
throughout like this idea there's always a narrative of like having to to migrate to move to be elsewhere um in the pursuit of something else or something different and it's just it's just i was like wow like it's she 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 had this line where she was like i mean technically sure sure you could say it's like a choice but it's not really a choice right it's like like, i mean it's kind of a forced like okay stay here and 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 just sort of not be able like like Mm -hmm. just accept the reality that like you just aren't gonna have as many opportunities here or you can go somewhere else and like in the yeah that's not a choice right it's like it's not like the child soldier is a soldier no no he's not he's been conscripted exactly (laughs) and so it's just you know that piece just really resonated and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's having me really, yeah, just, just question a lot of my ideas around, um, around just place what I'm looking for, what where at home is like where actually home exists. So, so that piece, yeah. I just, I just wanted to quickly preview. Likely we'll come back to that and revisit it in part two, but just wanted to quickly say, say that part. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And then you get into things like borders and you get into things about like displacement oh mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, you know, a lot of this is force and who does it serve? Right. It right. serves the globe. It serves like the capitalist machine, you know, mm-hmm. and it serves, like she says, the hierarchy that's existed since settler colonialism. So, right. and then, you know, to your point, like the great migration, right? Like mm-hmm. what is that? But a forced displacement. Right. <laughs> well, you could stay under, <laughs> under sharecropping. Right. Like, oh yeah, I guess I have, what? Like, like this, no. <laughs> the girl, right. <laughs> so, so anyway, we will continue this because we, we obviously have more to say, but this is part one. So, but if you want to hear more about us, honestly, can you just email us at theseclarepages at gmail.com? I understand, like, of all of the sources that you have, you, you, like, could use Twitter, Instagram, but, like, just email us, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have a website, <laughs> theseclarepages.com. I'm, I'm, it's partially because, like, we're not on social media, but also partially because I don't know how much I agree with social media um, mm. for whatever that means. You could still hit us up on those other two, but seriously, yeah. just, Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, we'll have we'll have some links in the show notes if, if folks are particularly curious. But um, mm-hmm. otherwise, if this book brought you any, or rather, if the show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, yes, please feel free to leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast, which could be Apple Podcasts or <gasps> not. Um, <laughs> be like and crying. Leave us some love, oh. please. We. I mean, because again, we really, really, truly appreciate it. Um, we do. And, you know, if you know someone in your life where you're like, you know what, you would benefit from fresh banana leaves healing indigenous landscapes through indigenous <laughs> science, please, like, I'm not going to, like, make some joke about, yeah, like, and then throw your phone into a sewer and, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. just, like, like do parkour. It's like, I'm not, like, girl, what? Like, please just, like, like send them this episode. But also send just send them the book. Them Honestly, send them yeah, the, the book first. If they don't even get to the episode, child, whatever. Just send them this book. God mm-hmm. damn. Um yeah. Because that's gonna, I mean, yeah, just be a good benevolent act to do. <laughs> like, right. like nothing and to maybe, do. Who knows? Maybe we're planting seeds right now. Maybe. maybe, maybe. So, yes, but definitely we'll come back uh, in two weeks for part two. Um, but between now and then, Akra, are there any other things we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, just until we see, uh, until we meet again. Just remember to. <sighs> Stay colorful!